Hey, it's the Death Sentence for this week. Um, I am currently one day away from the stupidest election that has happened in a first world country. Um, America is really, I don't even know what's going on there. But <laughs> you know what's good? I think we might you know have what? you uh, in a good competition for that one, but yeah. Yeah. Seriously, your election is much less stupid than ours right now. But um, I, I don't want to, I want to talk election stuff. Elections fucking suck. It has burnt me out. I'm utterly exhausted with this, with this stupidity. Because we have, for my money, like, much love to all our other guests this year. They're, we've had some of the greatest bands in any genres on this show this year. But for my money, this is the big one. <laughs> you already know what it is because you clicked on the link. It's fucking Blood Incantation right here on the DS with the boys. Uh, Isaac Falk, drummer for probably one of the greatest death metal bands playing at the moment. Easily. Uh, <laughs> Just absolutely easily, yeah. Like, And you can check the receipts on that. I have, I've said it about you guys before. And we'll say it again because, yeah, just an absolutely staggering, phenomenal band. And, um, yeah, hey. hi. Hi. I'm just Hello. Gonna, <laughs> just going to be like dazed highs for about half an hour now. Um, but I'm yeah. catatonic with like, is this real? We've been. Oh. Oh, he's gone. No, he's back. <laughs> God, Sorry, was... my uh, my phone got confused there for a second. Um, There's no problem. The hysterical timing of like <laughs> it was fucking hysterical with both of us being like, I literally can't believe this is real. We've been talking about this for a while, and then immediately <laughs> you disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, wow, yeah, yeah. he got be... us. Like... <laughs> That'd be such an us. Yeah, I'm out. To... I'm out, guys. Sorry, this yeah. is too much. No, uh, no, no, no. fire and, uh... <laughs> no, I, I, I really appreciate that, guys. And uh, thank you. you know, um, obviously, uh, you know, thank you so much for all the support and all that. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, we're just, uh, we're just like four, just like weird dudes who just like making music that we like to hear. So, but yeah, we, 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 uh, really appreciate that there are other people that like the same weird stuff we do. So. <laughs> Oh yeah, and yeah, we we truly like to say weird stuff. We're gonna, we're yes. gonna get onto the the weird stuff in a minute. So so my uh my own my own brief opening is uh, just prior to this, like in, in the past couple of days, I had to submit my because I I write um like music criticism for a handful of places, and I had to put in my top ten metal albums of the year at Invisible Oranges. Oh yeah, and and uh, yeah, you guys were my number one. <laughs> oh yeah. So I I already did that. That's not based mm -hmm. on on this. I'm I'm more just conveying to you like I this was on the heels of I uh got them to <laughs> I got them to print in uh a, basically an unedited 3000 word review of your record. <laughs> where I was like every word here was measured. You don't touch it. And they were like, "Okay, man." <laughs> Wait, okay, it's cool. We're friends here. Awesome. Yeah. yeah so no, just, like the response has been, uh, you know, overwhelmingly positive. So it's, it's been really great. You know, of course, whenever you make a record, you really hope that people like it. So, uh, it's, it's awesome to see that, that that is the response that has been happening, you know? So thank you so much for that. 
Absolutely. And I, I'm kind of curious what it is, what it's been like for you guys with the like the massive leaps between <laughs> records in terms of notability. Because like you've put out three like main releases you've done, like there was the, the split with Spectral Voice as well. And so some other smaller stuff, but mostly the EP <laughs> and the two albums and all of them are stellar. But it's just like the when I first heard your EP it was on a SoundCloud link off of Cult Nation. And I was like, this is tight. I love underground music. And then your next <laughs> one had like a, a pretty, like one of the bigger, like underground metal labels behind it. And I was like, yeah. Then, then it became a meme of how much people love Star Spawn. And then this one blew the fuck up. So I can only imagine what it's been like for you guys. Just like, do people legit just post blood incantations star spawn and then people respond to it by just saying the same thing and they'll do that all day long? <laughs> <laughs> it does it does seem like that sometimes where you know I'll just see it's just people saying the same sort of thing over and over again about uh I mean yeah star spawn was kind of the first time of course we had our our EP that it did well, but it was, you know, very underground. I think there was only like 500 copies pressed of the first one. It didn't even sell out, you know, it was, but you know, for, for our first release, we were like, that's really cool, you know? And then, um, yeah. And then when, when we were recording star spawn, I'll tell you, like there were, there were moments while we were recording, we were like, this could be something like big for us. Well, but we'll, we'll see, you know, I mean, there's always that kind of like, you know, you're just kind of like reluctant to maybe feel too excited. Cause you don't want to get your hopes up, of course, but um, there was a, a tangible feeling of being like, okay, this, this feels like it could be something big. So yeah, after Star Spawn came out, um, it was just, uh, you know, a giant snowball effect of just people being really excited about it. And, you know, of course that's what you want when you, uh, when you're in a band and that's really awesome. And you, you just kind of feel this, you know, explosion of, uh, just all this stuff happening, you know, touring and, um playing festivals and all this stuff that happened because of that album. And uh, we just kind of let that happen for, you know, multiple years. And we just kind of rode that, you know, kind of as long as we thought that it kind of made sense. And then, you know, eventually you're like, okay, well, I'm very sick of playing these same, you know, like. Eight <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So then we, you know, we've been, we've been working on writing that the new one for a long time. And we always had it in mind. We were like, we have to go bigger. We have to make it, you know, more brutal, but more progressive and more psychedelic and all of the stuff just like up the ante, you know, as much as possible. And um, in the meantime, we also got, you know, contacted by Century Media. So that was like a big leap as well. Um, you know, them putting it out in the rest of the world um, with Dark Descent doing North America. So like already we kind of went into it being like, OK, like this is going to be, you know, the next big step, you know all this stuff that happened with star spawn, like it's probably going to be even bigger if we play our cards, right. You know, and if we really put everything we can into the writing process, which we really did. So, um, yeah, I, 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 it's, it's very astonishing at times. Like there, there are things that are super surprising, like, and you know, publications like pitchfork and AV club and NPR that are just, regular people music stuff you know that are then talking about our record and i'm like okay this is super weird like you know um getting on like lists that include bands like coldplay and beck 
And you're like, <laughs> what, what is even happening? Uh, you know, I, I it, it, yeah, it's very surreal at times. So, but yeah. <laughs> yeah I I, I've often said to you guys, are basically the Beck of death metal. Okay. <laughs> death metal. All I'm, right. I'm not going to explain that comment either. It's just going to be out there. Um, yeah. I'll take it, man. <laughs> I also have a libelous story about Chris Martin from Coldplay that I can't ever say you know, publicly. But oh, I think yeah. you've told it to me before in private, and oh, yeah. uh, I, I... it's disgusting. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he's from my hometown, and uh. there are stories. But um, anyway, he's from Here. the rich part of my hometown. <laughs> so yeah, so you, you've been yeah, as Landon said, you've gone from being an underground death metal band to being yeah on lists with Beck and Coldplay, but <laughs> you know you're still you're still in the scene. You're still one of us weirdos. Yeah. You yes. still wear your long ass t-shirts with the crazy logos on. We've all so, got long hair, you know, we're all yeah. <laughs> yeah. we're all uh yeah, we're 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 still a death metal band, you know. Um mm. at least right now. So <laughs> we'll see yeah. what happens. <laughs> yeah, cuz yeah, cuz from what from the musicianship you guys have and the like range of stuff that's on the album you could, yeah, you could just be a prog band now. You could probably just pick up your instruments and put out a great prog record. I'm gonna pass out if that happens. I'm gonna literally get like, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, it'll be like at the end of one of those corny movies where someone gets so happy they literally die. <laughs> well, okay, um, you might die. So we're, we're, I'll tell you what, there's, uh, we are thinking about doing something kind of unique for our next release. So, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but <laughs> that. So but. I, I actually have a, a, a so either a question or just a reification off of the back of that. As much as I love the first half of, of your new record, um, mm -hmm. "Slave Species to the Gods" and the Giza Power Plant, some incredible death metal there, and it seems like they brought some of the the death doom bits that the. I didn't see this mentioned much, but both guitarists and the bassist are three of the four members of Spectral Voice as well. Um, Correct. Yeah. And which one, I find it phenomenal that like they can produce such wildly different kinds of death metal and without trying to underscore that connection too much, without trying to overplay it, both bands mm. get strong critical reception like that that's a really strong i think credit to the actual quality of the songwriting that it's like there doesn't yeah. need to be hype transfer you guys are all just very good uh and then you know bringing some of folding some of that it sounded like into uh uh the giza power plant of having some of yeah. those doomier elements as much Sorry, I dropped something. As much as I love that, it's the back half of the record that I'm just like my brain bursts out of the top of my skull and splatters against the ceiling um, of just like the beautiful. It it sounds so much like if like if '70s Rush was a death metal band, and that's just like that's the perfect dream. <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, well, so I, all right, so I have like two things to say about what all of what you just said, but um, <laughs> so uh, it, it's interesting that you say that about the the doomy aspect because, um, so actually, uh, Paul, the um, guitarist, vocalist of Blood Incantation, and and I first met um, when we were both playing in like black doom bands, and I was playing guitar, and he was playing guitar, and 
our our very first project was actually a funeral doom band. So oh, that sick. actually goes way back. It's called Abysmal Dimensions, and uh, we only have one yeah. demo. Um, and we played Killtown Deathfest this last um, year, and so that was really like kind of where we started off. Um, and then he found out I played drums, and he was like, "Holy shit! Like I've always wanted to do a death metal band." Um, so the the connection between Spectral Voice and Blood Incantation is really interesting because uh, with Blood Incantation, it's really Paul and I that are the songwriters. Um, like I write a lot of the guitar stuff uh, with Paul, and um, for Spectral Voice, it's Eli, the drummer for Spectral Voice, writes a lot of the guitar stuff with Paul as well. So it's that's why they're so different is because actually Eli and I are like completely different in the way that we approach music. Um, but then there's that anchor of Paul, like kind of, you know, connecting the dot. So, um, really so yeah, but we're all we're all really into Funeral Doom and Death Doom and all that stuff. So that it, it does just carry over. Um, and then to get onto your your last uh, bit, yeah, I think the inner pathways, uh, inner paths to outer space. I mean, um, is the song that really is the turning point in the record um, to me as well. And I think that that is kind of like the spelling uh, out of kind of a blueprint for maybe where we might go, um, and and that including um, awakening the, the last track as well. Um, which was the that is the last song that was written for the album. It took probably like two years to write that that song. Um, and that that uh, makes sense given. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and and uh, yeah. So that that is the, those are like the templates of kind of like where we want to go, um, pushing our songwriting you know further and all that stuff. Um, and the rush the rush uh, comparison is I definitely take that as a compliment. Um, but what's funny is actually, I, uh, I'm not necessarily nece a big Rush fan. Actually, I love I love prog rock, but um, Rush is not necessarily my my top band. I would say uh, a big influence on on the new stuff was uh, King Crimson and Yes. But, um, but God no, damn me, I love those no bands. <laughs> no disrespect to Rush, though. I love I love their stuff. But um, but yeah. So I mean, uh, like songs like you know, Close to the Edge and Gates, The Gates of Delirium and stuff like that. Like these like you know almost 20 minute long like epic journeys like that was really like inspiring uh when i was when i was working on awakening so so yeah the prog the prog influence is definitely coming out stronger i mean it's always been there we've always been into that um but we're just even more into it now so it does sound like you're going in that direction future and you be make that transition kind of like what opeth did a while back of going to you know <laughs> like a really amazing death metal bands to be in a really incredible prog band yeah i mean you know um i'm i'm a huge opeth fan actually um but i'm not as big on their just straight prog records i'll say um so i would i would be reluctant to make a record <laughs> that is just an homage because i do think that that is kind of what opeth does which they do really well and i you know no disrespect like i mean like i said i'm a huge opeth fan um but when Heritage came out, I felt really like that was like, okay, like I get it, man. Like you loved Deep Purple and Jethro Tull. Like that's cool. I do too, you know, but I don't need another <laughs> Deep Purple record, you know, like it's, it already exists. So like, in my opinion, like doing that si sort of progressive rock where it's like retro or whatever, um, that usually doesn't feel progressive to me. Like progressive 
really should be like pushing into some new boundary, um, which I think is kind of the cool thing about extreme metal is that it kind of allows music to get kind of pushed to these other places that it may not otherwise. Um, and I, I think that, you know, for example, like King Crimson, their whole career has been doing that. They're like always, always pushing in some new direction that, uh, you know, no one else is really doing. So, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, you can you can take their uh, King Crimson. So King Crimson recently uh, completely uh, redid the arrangement for for Elephant Talk uh, as yep. uh, for their for their newest tour. You A.B. Mm -hmm. that to the to to the version that's off of discipline they they barely sound similar there are enough anchoring elements that if you know both that if you know the original you're like this is insanely inventive like you fit three of the best drummers in the world yeah um, <laughs> you, you have bill riflin who's a better drummer than any of the three people that are drumming and he's on keyboards right now and he's apparently also a great keyboardist <laughs> like oh yeah no i i i'm astonished by Whatever Robert Fripp decides to do with that band at any given time seems to be the right the right thing, you know, um, which is really rare. Um, there's not many bands that you could really say that about. And that, but that's because it's always been that way since the beginning of that band. Yeah. Like it was always just him having like a vision and finding the right perfect people uh, to to execute that. I mean, Gavin Harrison is one of my all time favorite drummers. You know, I was goddamn yeah. I was super bummed out um, that I didn't get to see them when they were here because uh, I was actually at Killtown Death Fest. So, but yeah, that's, I would say big time, like th that is like a band as a template that I would, that I've always respected, you know, and, um, and, and even like Opeth in their, in their um, heyday, you know, I would say I was always enamored with the fact that they could bring their, their sound that, and continue their sound in a way that, always sounded fresh you know and um up to watershed in my opinion like i you know i'm one of those guys i'm like <laughs> i'm like bring the death metal back but you know um, <laughs> but you know whatever he's gonna do what he's gonna do so i always I, I also respect that too um you know i'm not i'm also not gonna be like well you know it's not really opeth you know at the end of the day it's it's his band so you can do whatever you want but <laughs> did you hear um the last record by haunter i forget his name it had some like Weird name. Sacramental Death Qualia. That's it, so, yeah. Yeah, so Haunter are actually really good friends of ours. Um, Tell them hi. I, yeah, so actually uh, Wayfarer, my other band, uh, has toured with them. And uh, yeah, so I've known, I've known those guys for many years now um, and always thought they had lots of potential. And that new record is extremely mm. sick. Um, yeah, I, I only just got into it. And it's got like strong, like... Opeth just when they turn into prog vibe, like kind of Blackwater Park, yeah. kind of that 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 moment in their history. But it's oh, yeah. fun so factoid. I had oh, you go on. No, no, sorry. I was just gonna say they are they are the first to say that they are huge Opeth fans. But <laughs> yeah, fun factoid. I had a review of their record tanked because I pointed out the Opeth connection too strongly, <laughs> and I was like, uh -huh. "But I'm right." <laughs> Wow. you're definitely right <laughs> i'm like i'm not saying it is a knock i'm saying like these guys know still life they have internalized <laughs> still life and that's good that's a fucking perfect record like why wouldn't you internalize it <laughs> i agree I, I totally agree i mean like uh those uh, those guys 
are the first to say they're like, oh yeah, no, we we love Myram's Earhurst, Still Life, Blackwater Park, and then they also love you know Catatonia and bands like like the early Catatonia and stuff like that, and then you know like Death Spell Omega and Blue Dust Nord, and then you know when you know that you're like that's totally what Haunter sounds like, which is sick, you know, like I want that, like I want that combination, so. Yeah, no, they're they're a great band. So, how did I not know that you were in Wayfarer? Like, I just like, I'm looking this up, and I'm like, I should have known that. How in the fuck is that? You mentioned it, and I was like, he. It's got to be a different one, right? It can't be. It can't be the blood. The blood meridian. Black. No, it is. What the fuck? Like, <laughs> I'm so off on my research game. God damn. Like, uh, no worries. No worries. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's a it's not like an obvious connection. You know, I think a lot of people are maybe surprised sometimes. Because they are very, very different bands, you know. Um, it really speaks well to um, to to your musical acumen that you can. Again, it it it's similar to the Blood Incantation Spectral Voice connection that they, without because we've talked up Wayfair on this on this podcast, we actually played them yeah, on our yeah. uh, Blood Meridian episode because we were like, that's too perfect. That's like, I, we can't that's not. From, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> um, and it, yeah, just this thing of like, wait, what the f- this how are all these people all in bands that we love and we didn't know but more of that's more just a credit to the quality of music that you guys are able to consistently produce even in these different groups that it's like it keeps popping up even when the connections are obscured because it's yeah. just the music is really you guys make really fucking good music like <laughs> oh well appreciate that and well you know i think there is obviously sometimes from a label's point of view, uh, there is that desire to be like, you know, featuring members of, uh, you know, type of thing. Um, but I think with uh, any of our bands, we're not really trying to push that too hard because, you know, especially with like Wayfair to Blood Incantation, it's not necessarily that like a Blood Incantation fan is going to definitely love Wayfair. You know, I don't think that that is necessarily a connection that needs to be made. So they really should stand on their own, you know, uh, especially with like such uh, different characteristics. You know, um, Spectral Voice to Blood Incantation is maybe a closer um, comparison, but they're still very different. You know, there's tons of people that like one and don't like the other and vice versa and all that. So, yeah, I think we're always just trying to, you know, have each project be of its own um, world and uh, it should it should stand on its own, you know, ultimately. Um, you know, we're not, <laughs> we're not trying to just be a hype sticker, you know, production company. So <laughs> cool. So I think we've come up to about halfway here. So I'm cool. going to, I'm going to put you on the spot totally here and yeah. ask you for a, a recommendation. Like just, you know, okay. you can pick any song in the history of music and we will, we will dub it in right now. Uh, as long as it won't get us sued, so, <laughs> you know, like no Ariana Grande or something. Yeah, just... um so what what do you prefer things that are serious and like an artistic choice or what what's like what's your no, no, you, you 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 have the orcs chord here you can literally put on wherever anything. wherever your voice takes you that's where we want to go oh yeah oh, we're, we're following okay. you on this journey <laughs> um yeah that's a tough question um <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Um, let's see. I'm I'm gonna have to go with something that I just think is very funny, and I hope that's okay, okay. with you. Uh, okay, um... Blood Bloodhound Gang. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it, you know, I, this is a caveat though. I would 
recommend that anyone who's listening uh, watches the music video for this because I, I think that it really is uh, going to make everything make more sense. But um, it is the butthub gag, isn't it? No, it's, <laughs> so it's actually um, a song called Welcome to My World um, by an artist called Mizar. M I Z A R. M I C A R. Yes. Um, and it's on YouTube. I don't know if it's anywhere else besides that. Um, Mizar, oh. the King of the Stars. This, yes. this film. Yes. Welcome to My World is the, is the song. Okay. He All picked right. it. We got to play it. This is <laughs> Mizar, the King of the Stars, with your Welcome to My World. Strap yourselves in. Then, obviously, we dub it in. Okay. Uh, I, I'm very I, eager I, to hear what this is. This, I, I have no I'm, idea. I'm, I'm watching the music video right now. I've muted it so that I can still hear people. Although I heard the opening synth hit. This, this fucking <laughs> rules. <laughs> yeah, pretty, it's, it's psychedelic <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh this, um, did this guy this start guy a cult? Might... Is is this gonna like hypnotize me and I'm gonna like commit mass suicide so I can be with a UFO behind a comet or something? You I might, do you want might. to serve him. I apologize <laughs> That's a good in point. advance if you do that. Um, <laughs> um Mizar is is uh probably a bigger influence on blood incantation than many other things. So that's why <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um we've watched that video maybe a hundred times so yeah uh this is explaining so much <laughs> yeah i i finally get it now this is like the the um rosetta stone to hidden history of the human race here Gold if you want it. 
skin is shining bright spell you my queen so don't just push me cause you you welcome to my world you welcome to my dreams in this rain you are my queen and I am your king but listen I really need Living down 
is my is my queen. I don't touch her, I don't kiss her. She lives with me. So, so, so let me make a connection for the people listening first and then, and then follow it with a comment. So, um, one, the packaging for hidden history of the human race is fucking immaculate. Like I really can't, uh, overemphasize how, how goddamn incredible, uh, the physical copies of it are. Like I, I picked up, pre-ordered the vinyl, got all that stuff and, did not expect a whole like portfolio of glyphs and spells. I was like, this is so fucking sick. <laughs> um, and in the liner notes, what we can, we can talk about the packaging in a second. I want to, cause yeah. it's so fucking cool. Um, and I haven't seen many other places talk about it. Like they keep, they keep sort of thumping on the same, like, Oh, conspiracy theory. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, yeah, obviously. But like, did did you guys get a physical copy? Like, there's yeah. there's alien glyphs inside. This is so fucking sick. Why is no one mentioning this? Like, <laughs> it came with a book. Like, there's a book in it. <laughs> like, you guys, and it's all original place. stuff. You guys had to hire people to write that, and then to do art for it, and then like the paper's really good. It's not some cheap shitty thing, and then no one mentions it. Like. <laughs> Yeah, it was um so that was a large undertaking for the for the record and I'm really happy to hear you say that um because that was something that we noticed when we were getting all these um interviews and reviews uh originally before the album came out and you know of course uh we tried to send out in a press package it sh- we wanted it to include the book that was in the record but a lot of times that didn't get sent or, you know, so sometimes I would just send it personally to somebody and, and stuff like that. But um, I do believe that the, the vinyl copy with the book and all the stuff that's in there and all that is really the, the way that you should experience the record because, um, you know, when you're listening to music, um, a lot of times, you know, sometimes you can, you can sit down on your couch and you can enjoy just, listening to a record you're hanging out with friends or something but sometimes you want something to look at you know and sometimes you know maybe you'll put on a a visualizer or something on your computer or you know who who knows whatever you do um to kind of like distract your your mind a little bit so you can get more into the music um but we kind of think you know the the visual aspect of the record itself should itself be an experience so um that was really the thought behind the behind the the little booklet zine that's that's in the record and um the the contents of which are are really the brainchild of paul um and also this friend of ours will uh and they they both worked very hard on making that as uh you know 
intense of an experience as when you're listening to, to the music, you know, and that really should, they each kind of play off of each other. So that, that is like a huge part of it. Plus not only that, but there is a huge um, thanks list that includes many bands that we're interested in or friends with. And it includes a book list at the end as well. And so it has like a kind of a reading list for, for anybody that might be interested in, uh, you know, expanding their mind in, in a way that, uh, <laughs> that we're that we're into so yeah I, and i'm really happy to hear you say that so i i, I love both the recommended records and or record slash bands and recommended reading list uh both in yours but also in general because like i remember it was picking up a copy of uh picking up a copy of chaosphere by mashuga and i was going through the liner oh, notes yeah. just sort of like man this record is fucking sick i love how crazy and they started thanking in the back of it a bunch of groups that I knew that I loved and that so like they thanked Cynic in it. And I was like, oh, I always knew that there were some Cynic notes in Meshuga. I could always sense it. But then they started thanking like Tori Amos and Kate Bush. And that oh, helped yeah. be the final thing to like push me to check those out. Now, fucking oh, love both yeah. of them. Um, oh, yeah. Meshuga name dropping Kate Bush. I mean, how sick is that? That's <laughs> <laughs> right. And so so it's, it's that same kind of thing of like this really beautiful thing that a lot of bands sort of ignore that they have the ability to do of like just even just nudge people towards like, hey, this is some other dope shit. We're all making dope shit together. Let's. Uh... I also yeah. love how you guys named every guitar solo. Every single one has a name. Like, I just, that's another thing that, like, I didn't see anyone mention it, but it's so fucking sick because it it added to that, like, like uh, I I love I'm I'm like way deep into prog rock. I keep pitching people like, just let me talk about like, do you want do you want a fifty thousand word essay about every Neil Morse record? And they're like, no. And I'm like, come on, let me do it. Like, let me talk yeah. about Transatlantic. Come on. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, no, I'm with, so I'm adding the, the <laughs> so adding the vibe of like seeing all the named guitar solos, like their movements in a in a song. I'm like, yes, my people. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I bring I mean, all of this up. Oh, you go on. Oh, I, I was just going to say that's that's one of those little like kernels that, you know, most people may not get those connections but you know if you if you're if you get it then you get it you know man that's, that's awesome so <laughs> i i love that the first i bring all this up because the first guitar solo on the album is titled the chemical name for dmt and looking at this mizar <laughs> video i'm the the threads are intertwining now it's like it's not some cheap thing of like aliens, conspiracy theory, DMT. It's like no, look at this video. Stare in Mizar's eyes. He, now, now you will understand. <laughs> I got to the part where it flashes interlude on the screen, and I just, I'm still, I'm still in heaven. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, this is. Uh, um, I have to give credit to Chad Gailey from Necrot and Vastum. Because he is the one that showed us uh, Mizar. We did not know Mizar until the Decibel tour with uh, with Cannibal Corpse and Morbid Angel and Necrot. And uh, one day we were uh, putting YouTube videos up on the TV in the green room. And Chad was like, dude, have you guys heard Mizar before? And we're like, what? No. And he puts it in. And we're just like, oh, my God. This is <laughs> everything. This is everything I've ever wanted. Like... <laughs> 
Um, he has, and he has a whole album actually. And, uh, it was, I believe something like a, over a hundred dollars on Discogs for just the CD. Um, it's only <laughs> been put out on CD and Chad bought it. So he owns a copy. He's the only person I know that owns a copy. So. Damn. <laughs> okay. But so for the poor benighted people who like me have no money, so they have to listen to this on Spotify. Yes. What, what is the album about? I know that's the dumbest question a human being can ask another human being. Like, what's your <laughs> art about? Where do you get your ideas? But um, right. I, I think there's more of an answer here than there would be on most things. I, I, I think that uh, Hidden History of the Human Race has ideas behind it and, ide- and things you want to say. Right? Yeah. I mean, yes. Yes, definitely. Um, there are many things that I think that we are trying to say with the record and they're all encapsulated in um, every part of it. So the music, the lyrics, the art, and all of that stuff is all intended to create a, uh, a storyline, but not in the traditional sense. You know, it's not like a point A to point B plot to- sort of story, but it's a, it's a story about being a human and, and what that means in the grand scheme of the universe and all the dimensions of the multiverse that maybe you know we exist in and um so every piece of it tells a different part of that so you know of course slave species of the gods and giza power plant are both very tied together um not just musically but also lyrically and and thematically kind of going back to you know our ancient past and thinking about what could have been going on that we just don't understand and of course the ancient aliens gets brought up all the time people you know there's memes there (laughs) there's all this stuff um but really it's it's not just about ancient aliens specifically which you know can be debated whether or not aliens even exist if they've been here well all that stuff but uh it's the bigger point is putting a question mark and putting a question mark in those areas which we think that we know for sure right so Mm. stuff like the building of the sphinx um is a great example of something that we have been taught forever that it was built at this time about four thousand years ago that it was you know built by these people and and in this way and there starts to become an alternate timeline by other people, geologists, um, you know, someone like Graham Hancock, for example, is a big influence. Um, and thinking about how there is this erosion on the Sphinx itself that goes back more like 12,000 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And if, if there's yeah. that erosion on there, then what does that mean as far as who then who built it right then how oh, yeah. old is it? and all this stuff so the point of blood incantation is not to answer that question because we don't know for sure right i'm you know i do have a history background i got my bachelor's degree in history but i'm not an archaeologist like i'm not out there finding this stuff out but what we do is we read and we think about these things and we question that narrative that has been propagated by mainstream 
archaeology and <laughs> history and all that stuff and start to maybe just think about, okay, well, what are some alternatives? And there are many different alternatives to what, um, what has been taught, you know? And so that in and of itself is really where we're trying to get, which is prod into those places. So that's just a, one example. There are many, you know, um, Gobekli Tepe is a good example. There's, you know, there's all these places around the world where it's like, it starts to make the, the conventional narrative of human history start to look a little bit more fabricated than we originally thought. And then you start realizing like, well, there's so much we don't know there must be, you know, so much that is buried underneath the sand, buried probably in the ocean that we have never seen about our own story. And that being a human inherently means that we are a species with amnesia because we just don't have the information about where we're from. And that biggest question is what is the driving force of the themes of the album. And then it, it leads up into Inner Paths to Outer Space and awakening and those are more about um delving into inner space and not and that's why like people are like oh they're like this cosmic band they're a sci-fi band and honestly we're not as interested in outer space even though we are i mean you know outer space is sick for sure but um we're not we're not as interested in that as we are about what's going on down here and inside our own minds and that starts to become even more interesting even more compelling than um you know than just going out into the uh the atmosphere past the atmosphere into outer space which i would love to do but you know let's just be fair like i'll probably never get to do that myself um <laughs> uh, unless you know we sell like 10 million more albums maybe we'll build our own blood incantation spaceship but you know <laughs> but uh hope you do <laughs> yeah uh we'll have to talk to elon musk about that but um <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, in the end, it's 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 less about that, and it's more about finding the the inner cosmos, and that's that's where the book list in the in the booklet comes into play. Uh, it's not conspiracy books, which m most people might kind of think. Um, it's not like conspiracy or alternative history books. The books that we chose for that book list are metaphysical, philosophical, psychological, uh, meditative books. Um, stuff from Ram Dass to Joseph Campbell, um, you know, Carl Jung, stuff like that, where it's thinking about the human condition and thinking about our place here as a species that has been here for millions of years, you know. Hmm. No, I, I really like that, like making history weird, weird in <laughs> it, you know. Um, yeah, and yeah, you, you're very right. The history of the human race is bizarre and we we don't quite know who we are we're kind of like you know get up we go to our jobs we come back watch tv but the yeah. sphinx <laughs> was there for twelve thousand years and the egyptians found it and it had breasts yeah. at one point and they didn't they, they didn't remove them for some reason mm -hmm. yeah and <laughs> yeah. it probably recut the nose as well like there's many yeah. things um that it's it starts to be yeah it starts to become that it's like okay the pyramids and the sphinx those i mean even this like the rocks that are on the pyramid right now those could have been built on top of an even bigger structure because the the rocks that are at the base of the of the pyramids themselves are much larger from a different quarry 
and all this stuff. So it starts to become like this thing where you're like, well, maybe just human history is just a history of us building on top of old stuff because that is what we do. I mean, you go to, you know, Teotihuacan and, and Mexico City and the biggest pyramid there is actually underneath a cathedral in Mexico City. Yeah. And the Spaniards just covered it up. Right. And that's just kind of what we've been doing for thousands of years. We just find something we're like, oh, that's pretty cool. But like, ah, let's just put a bunch of dirt on it and I'll build my own thing, you know, and, and then it's new God that's based on basically the same stuff, but called yeah. a different thing in a new language and all that stuff. So, I mean, yeah. we even have. Uh, oh, yeah, you can go on, Gareth. Well, I, I was just going to say that here in Britain, we everyone knows like Stonehenge, right? Because mm. you know, Stonehenge, everyone knows that one. But there's like a much bigger and more elaborate and crazier one. It's just someone also built a town on top of it. <laughs> so you've got to like walk past a, a electronic store to look at like a part of a henge that is pro <laughs> probably if we could like decode it, we'd find some crazy hidden truth about the hot cosmos. But you know, it's covered with like pubs and people's houses now. <laughs> so we we actually have a funny a funny version of this in like completely modern. Uh, I I was about saying completely modern society as though Britain isn't modern, although arguably it isn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, <no>. Arguably. <laughs> You are where the reptilians are from. They're just British people. True. Yeah. Um, something <laughs> terrible happened in the human <laughs> DNA sequence and produced uh, evil lizard men who became the kings and queens of Britain <laughs> and poisoned the minds of of that that wretched isle. Um, yeah, you, heard, you heard it here first. Guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When uh, when uh, this is a Night podcast now. When uh, <laughs> Alex Jones is uh, going to show up soon. Hopefully. When the guy uh, drove out all the snakes from Ireland, this is going to sound great. St. Yeah. Patrick, I can't believe I forgot his name. Um, he actually <laughs> so was driving out regular British people who, who had gone, who had moved to Ireland, and he had to make them leave. He was like, no, out lizard men, return to your ugly island, the big yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. But Well, he, they were using snakes as a, as a euphemism for pagans, so, you know. Yeah. We, that, as it was maybe the pagans were the lizard people maybe yeah who knows so um so, so it's bringing that up in the context of like egypt isn't as or hadn't been especially precious about their cultural artifacts in certain ways let me rephrase that portions of egypt because there's portions of egypt that have actually been very vehemently and rightly declare like demanding that britain give back the sarcophagi they stole um the many sarcophagi <laughs> um and Some Britain's like, oh, here in Manchester. Um, yeah. yeah, they're advertising. Oh, I can go see King Tutankhamun in Manchester soon. And it's and it's yeah. like oh, this isn't ours. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but but Egypt itself, in terms of a place where people live, a place where people have daily life, they there was a period where there was a pizza hut where from the window you could see the Great Pyramids. No, I want to go because there. they're like. Because they're like, we have to live here, and that means that we need certain things, and we want certain things, and so that means we're going to put certain things where we already live. We're not going to put them off in the hinterlands for the sake of some other thing. Similarly, how Stonehenge, all photos of Stonehenge shown to people that are not in Britain are taken from a specific angle, because from any other angle, there's a highway. Oh, yeah, several. Oh, yeah. That's like, every time I, every time I go to see my parents, I go past Stonehenge. And it's just like just drive um, there. it's normal but yeah, so there's it, that combination of the confluence of ancient like like sometimes deeply ancient things with just regular ass life 
but so the thought that it had roughly always been that way of like, well, some of these things are 12,000 years old. Are you saying that 6,000 years ago they didn't build anything near it, that it's only 12,000 years later that we decided to put stuff nearby? Um, right. And we actually exactly. run into that a lot with with with, uh, with history, which has more. It's fun knowing historians because they'll be the first to mention that like good history is one that acknowledges how many holes there are. Exactly. Yeah. Because <laughs> we already have closed doors where important conversations happen with, say, Boris Johnson or Donald Trump or other shitbags of the world. And <laughs> we don't know exactly what is said. Yeah. And, and the, and the, the important narrative that is, that is cultivated by the people who want their side of the story to come out. And that's yes. been the, and, been, I mean, it's a cliche, but you know, history is written by the victors. I mean, it's also history is written by the people who can write, you know, there's it's like, you don't, you don't need an Illuminati that sits in some like secret closed room where every important person goes. All you need is for certain people to close the door at the right time or not write certain things down or write them down incorrectly. And most of history is like the study of history is attempting to parse that information. Like we sometimes get people outside of history who are too quick to trust firsthand sources, even though we live in a world where people are constantly fabricating firsthand sources or releasing half true things. Like imagine a world where people take White House press releases about the concentration camps at our border at face value of literally what they were. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And going like, it's been this way for all of history. And then we lose certain documents over time or not everything gets preserved in substrates of rock and sand. Sometimes they get crushed and destroyed. And so history is the job of doing the best we can with what we have to fill the holes as responsibly as possible. But yeah, so the whole idea that like you don't even have to. I'd always read what you guys were doing is more. um like what you're saying, more metaphorical gesturing rather than literally saying we 100% absolutely think ancient aliens. That's 100% actually our thoughts. It's like, it could be, but the more important thing is this thought of there are more gaps than we sometimes acknowledge and be prescient of those gaps. Yeah, hmm. I, would, I would say that that is very true to um, it, my personal feelings on it. And also the the intentions of blood incantation um, were are different between each member i mean we're we're yeah. all on the same page but we all have different beliefs we all have different ways of thinking um we have you know but we all have overlapping ideas and that's that's where blood incantation comes out um and i would say that there's more to it than just you know what the history channel shows uh, as far as the ancient alien stuff goes there's so much that is being basically, I think, said in those shows or those kind of like uh, places like Alex Jones or something like that, um, where it's basically just um, it's it's planned out to be basically cheesy and stupid because let's you know, I, I watched Ancient Aliens and I laugh because it's just completely ridiculous. They're like this time on Ancient Aliens. We got Nazi vampires. Are they aliens? Probably. And you're like, okay, like, <laughs> you're like, sick. Uh, that's dumb. <laughs> I mean, you know, 
let's watch a movie about it but like that's not that's not real history right so um that or or it's not it's not uh academic i guess is what you could say but um but there are many things about structures that have been built around the world that start to put into question at least the uh, the capabilities of humanity and po- it's also possible very much so that humanity had some sort of crazy technological advancements way back in the past that we just totally lost because maybe there was you know nuclear war or something we have no idea um because there are so many things about our past that like like we've been talking about that are unknown to us and so then yeah like i said that the job of blood incantation is to raise those questions we obviously posit some interesting ways of thinking about that um and one of those things is that I don't, I don't even know that aliens themselves would be like the flying saucer, ancient aliens, like, you know, close encounters of the third kind type of alien. Um, because I would even consider an extra dimensional being something that exists in the same world as us, but just in a different dimension as being very, pretty alien, right? Mm. And You're speaking was... our language now, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> was, this this has come up before, entity, surprisingly. You know, if there was an entity that was outside of our own dimensional consciousness, but that influenced us, uh, much like what people describe when they take DMT. Um, those could be entities that have been influencing us for, for eons. We, we have very little record about, you know, the usage of DMT and other things like that. But we know that people have been eating psychedelic mushrooms for a very long time, <laughs> probably <laughs> since the beginning of our species. And also, um, DMT is produced naturally in your brain. Like, if, if, if that particular molecule opens up you to, you know, the fifth-dimensional machine elves, then they're already there in your head, because your brain is already making the DMT. Also, as the, as, as the Marxist materialist in the room, one would imagine I'd be more <laughs> hey, resistant. To, kind hey, of am. Hey, <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, I open with that more because, like, you, one would think that I'd be far more like, hey, shut the fuck up about this kinds of stuff, but <laughs> I'm not really because I think that a proper materialist approach sort of hinges on the fact that sometimes the material matters less than the affect because, again, we're psychological. I'm, I'm, I'm again, only sort of speaking where I stand on this rather than where everyone yeah. else needs to or anything, but... We are psychological beings. We act based on our psyche. Um, there are people that fervently believe that God is real and a tra- traditional mainstream religious conception of God is real and then guide their lives based on that. Exactly. The things they do based on that are very much real, regardless of whether that contradicts, say, someone who has a very traditionally classical Buddhist conception of spirituality that guides their life versus a non-religious person where that guides their life. Um, that sometimes I think some people, whether they be interviewers or critics, get hung up on, well, I don't think that the substrate of their thoughts and actions is literally real. So now I'm going to disregard all of this other. And it's like, that matters yeah. much less than what people do with it. So again, sort of even from the material stance, who gives a fuck on whether um, ultra terrestrials are literally real if the experience of them is affecting people in a real way. Yeah. And, and to get to that point specifically, there's actually this great quote um, from one of my favorite authors, uh, Neil Gaiman, who talks about 
how imaginary things are almost more real than real things. And, and the way that he describes that is he's like, think about a border of a country, right? That is entirely imaginary, right? That is not a real thing. That is something that we've decided as humans that it exists. And a border of a country can affect people more than, let's just say, you know, a building that I'm sitting next to right now. You know, like that border can affect millions of people as it does every day. But that is an imaginary thing. And just like you're saying, there are possibly these, you know, extra dimensional beings that we've interacted with, whether or not they're just figments of our imagination is almost irrelevant because we experience them right and so sometimes it almost seems like it is our own human imagination our own storytelling to ourselves that is the most important part uh of our of our history that 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 is what kind of defines us as a species i mean you know other animals don't tell themselves stories about some messiah that's going to come save them and sacrifice themselves and then they're all going to you know rise up into some imaginary cloud city right like other animal i mean we, they might but we just don't we don't that would be that- so goddamn sick <laughs> <laughs> actually the only other race that's christian are monitor lizards <laughs> and you're like oh <laughs> makes sense okay it's like yeah, they also go to heaven a muslim I'm sitting, there's, there. there's a little monitor li- lizard jesus that's on a uh <laughs> Bacon there were the exactly two Jesuses, human <laughs> and monitor lizard. <laughs> yeah, None so, others are chosen by God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, th- those yeah. ideas have shaped us as a species, you know? And so, yeah, um, when you look at these structures that are built and there, there's this similarity across the world of this, you know, the pyramids and the... Uh, you know, mandalas and all these things that are like very similar across different uh, cultures, across oceans and all that stuff. It starts to raise this interesting idea that Carl Jung, um, you know, posited, which was, you know, the collective unconscious, which is that idea that there is some interlocking thing in our DNA, maybe in our consciousness that is driving us to create stuff, you know, and that we have been doing that for millennia. And so that that's where maybe you kind of get into this idea of like, well, the gods that we're creating in our own mind are almost more real than anything else, you know, even if they don't actually exist. Yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a good frisson there with uh, like a beloved author of the podcast, Grant Morrison, wrote a semi nonfiction, semi theory book called Super Gods that outlines a similar thing about his own thoughts of like. If neither Jesus nor Superman are real, but people can guide their lives based on one of them, you can still guide your life then based on the other if they have that same thing. And what matters is what you do with this stuff. And like Gaiman explores the same stuff in Sandman. We have, I have a shelf full of uh, Joseph Campbell books. I fucking love the guy. Um, yeah, big time. <laughs> I, think gets, I think it gets ragged on too much based on the fact that our understanding of so there's certain like material components of his thoughts that have since like basically been proven untrue but in terms of like uh almost more as like art theory or like experience of psychological phenomena rather than like 
oh, literally that's from this chemical or this. It's like that matters much less in his yeah. work than, you know, symbolic fixation and things like that. I, I, I would agree. I think his biggest contribution is just taking Jungian thought and just bringing it into actual examples from different mythologies because he's so well read on every mythology around the world and so he was able to use pieces of stories that we've been telling ourselves because essentially that's what mythology is is just stories and he's he used those stories to paint a picture of deeper psychological things going on which i really appreciate and we have like freud got reclaimed after he got kicked out of uh psychology academia for for a good reason to be fair got reclaimed by by literary uh academia as very good literary and artistic critique and then the same thing happened with young the same thing can and should happen with campbell uh and that's not to knock their work because art is what we make to understand the experience of our psyche like science exists in one lane and it's very useful and very powerful and history sits in the second lane and that's also useful and powerful but art is the way that we attempt to grapple with feeling ourselves and experiencing ourselves it's like a mirror trying to reflect itself exactly i yeah, I, no. I, I, I paraphrased uh your album there <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I think you're, you're onto it is that ultimately art and music and all this music in its, in its essence is feeling. I mean, that is what it is. And it's, uh, it's conveying feeling, you know, there are lyrics, of course, and those lyrics are going to convey something, but the music is feeling something that you cannot describe with, words, you know, and yeah, and you know, giving the listener the experience of that feeling. It's, it's a way of communicating between two people that you just can't get any other way. Um, and that's what's always drawn me to it. And that, but that, you know, to your overarching thing that you just said about art being this expression of how we feel as a human dealing with this world, that is ultimately what we're trying to what good art should do you know i mean that's what the difference between art and entertainment is entertainment is just there to occupy your time right um and i'm not going to knock entertainment because i love myself a stupid action movie sometimes you know and you know there there are action movies that could be dubbed as art of course and there's there are things like that but i'm just talking about just stupid entertaining you know fun you know like basically like going to a gladiator match you know it's not it's not art you know but it is something there to to occupy you art on the other hand is there it can be entertaining but it should also bring something out of your own feelings out, out of your own consciousness out of your own experience and if it's good art then you know then the audience will react in a way that connects both the artist and the audience and that that is that's ultimately what we're trying to do and i hope that we do that <laughs> you, but, you uh, do okay I, I can set i can put your mind to rest you, yeah you, you you do that <laughs> you reach people even if we purely go on the quantity of memes made out of your album's front cover then <laughs> you've you've reached more people than most artists will this year um and there are many good memes made out of it 
there's a very adorable baby Yoda put on. There. Oh yeah, that was those my favorites. Yeah, I actually still have good seen that episode of The Mandalorian, but uh, <laughs> I I found it very adorable. <laughs> it is. It is. Um. um so... Yeah. No. I mean, that's that's ultimately like you know, there's plenty of bands that are trying to keep their cult status. You know, they limit their tapes, and there's only like 50 tapes, and it's super cult, super rare. Um, and you know, I'm. I'm a sucker for some of that for sure. You know, I love a lot of really obscure black metal, a lot of obscure stuff like that. Um, but blood and condition is not trying to be that band and blood and condition is ultimately our goal is to reach as many people as we can, whether they like it or not. Um, but we want, we want our art and our message to, to be spread as much as we can. So, you know, when I think someone asked me one time, like, how do you feel about memes? Like, do you mind that your band gets memed a lot? And I was like, I, I think it's awesome. Like, I think it's hilarious. Um, we don't take ourselves that seriously either. Like, obviously, like the stuff we're into, we're like really into and we we think about it seriously. Um, and we're not a joke band, but like we we're we take we laugh at ourselves. Like we laugh at this stuff that we are into and we just have fun with it. And we're not we're not just sitting in a cave being like we are the most cult evil band and we, everything we believe is true. It's like, yeah, we don't care. Like, <laughs> Good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's cool to hear you say that you like, you're not afraid of success and reaching people and, you know, going beyond the kind of death metal ghetto and just like getting out into the world. Cause it kind of like that there, there needs to be that right now. It's met, extreme metal has been uh, in its little place for a while now. And, People forget that it, it used to be like some of the biggest bands in the world were metal bands. Metallica had the fucking private jet and flying all over the world selling millions of records. And that wasn't that yeah. long ago. That was like in this our lifetimes. A, this is like a time period too that I think lends itself to people getting into extreme metal. I mean, uh, yeah, I think definitely. that the chaos and uncertainty of our time really breeds um a listener who wants something more than just a glossy pop song that says that everything's all right you know i think yeah. people people think, um, want more than that yeah one of the, the show favorites who we always come back to mark fisher the philosopher um, one of his best things he's he said was like pop songs nowadays um, when he was writing about two, 2015 but also now they sound so desperate and sad they're like they're like a a sad hr person trying to like pump everyone up and get them happy but like yeah there's so they're, they're, there's a deep sadness to all pop songs nowadays which isn't yeah it isn't in uh, it's something cynical about it, the the time and and i think that's really interesting that you bring that up because I think there's a similar vibe in 80s pop music. And I think that there's such a resurgence of 80s pop and people really being into that again because of the similarity that there was like this glossy, you know, kind of superficial um, haze on everything being like, nah, just watch TV, just play video games. Yeah. It's totally fine. Don't yacht worry in about, white jacket. You know, Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Don't worry about crack addiction don't worry about all this stuff and then now it's don't worry about donald trump don't worry about these things um you know don't worry about boris johnson don't worry about these people you know and it's just 
you know, just forget about it. And it has this weird kind of, uh, yeah, it has like an opioid effect on people, I think, where it's this just tuning out, you know, it's just this don't think too much and just just give in to the party, you know, and mm, I, yeah, I think that that's um, that is why when when we play shows and people get this like cathartic release, which, you know, that is like a big thing that metal has always been it's been this catharsis for people that were really like you know upset with the system in the way that punk is but bringing like a level of musicianship and aggression that that never was in punk you know and and but there's that that total reaction to the maybe the superficiality of the world and then you kind of see that in the in the late 80s you know with and and with death metal and and bands mm. like Slayer and stuff like that and Metallica like you said um with this kind of just reaction to the the malaise of life um and and there's that big swing you know pendulum swing towards something that is that feels real and and uh even my my parents who are not you know they they've always just been like oh it's so loud and like oh I don't know about this the screaming and stuff um, even they will recognize, like they come to see uh, Blood Incantation play, and they're like, "I get it, you know, this is like a, it's like what we were doing in the hippie age, you know, in the '60s, reacting against what we saw as the, you know, the bubblegum pop like superficial '50s, you know, and and reacting against that in a way that was trying to get to something real, something emotional, something." that expressed what it is to be a person in this world. And, and, and so that there is that connection, even intergenerationally. Mm, yeah. And the other side of your, your music, apart from like the death metal and the aggression, the, the, the high weirdness, the Philip K. Dick stuff, the aliens, <laughs> the, uh, the pyramids. And that's all, <laughs> that's all super, I don't want to say invoke, like you're chasing a trend because <laughs> this is obviously something you're deeply into, but it's, it's going to be something that really connects with people now because people are, are getting back into that again. People are, are looking back into the, the weirdness and Terence McKenna and Grant Morrison, people like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you see you know, people who are, are socialists who you know you would expect to be all about you know the workers and the struggle are also witches now. You know, <laughs> it's, it's uh, people are like. Um, the occult, yeah, yeah, it's very people. Get, people are getting back into the occult and UFOs, and <laughs> we're kind of at this weird juncture where we're realizing that not only is the world itself and you know the world of politics and uh, corporations and so on much worse than we had ever imagined it would be. We have you know stuff like Jeffrey Epstein. We have <laughs> politics just completely going off the rails, but we're also people have noticed that the world is a lot bigger and stranger than any of this stuff and mm -hmm. like you were saying it's um you know just looking at like a sphinx and realizing it's so much stranger than just a big block of bunch of rocks that some egyptians made just kind of can open you up to you know, the other half of the album the um <laughs> you know going in going into your head and seeing what's what's there and and that's that the connection is once you start questioning what's outside of yourself, that's the easiest part, right? Because mm. everything outside of you is, you know, you don't you don't know for sure that any of this exists. Um, there's many, you know, 
philosophers that have you know thought about that but then the biggest question is questioning your own self right and that's the hardest part because we're so ingrained with a belief of who we are right we tell ourselves our own story every day we get up we go to our job we we have these memories of stuff that we've done and we have signposts along the way like our graduation or our wedding or all these things that we just tell ourselves like that's who i am i'm into this thing i listen to this music i do this and then you strip all that away once once you get rid of all that stuff that you've like placed on yourself then what what is there you know it's just a sentient being and that's really where i think the the most interesting stuff happens is when you let go of uh who you are and and you know it could be called ego death it happens psychedelic experiences like that but also during uh deep meditation one can kind of get to this place of just you know shedding those layers of of all the stuff that we put on ourselves like you know any of the traumas that people experience any of the you know big lucky oh i got the job that i wanted all that stuff it's it's all material you know and and yes it is important in your everyday life you know you i mean i'm not gonna become an ascetic monk and just live in the mountains and just do that you know that's not who i am but there is a certain necessity to getting back to that place of just understanding what our place is in our own in our own universe inside of ourselves and that's that's where the deepest most troubling questions but also some of the most important can be found i think i'm right Okay, well, that is a absolutely fucking perfect way to end things, I think. Um, yeah. So, Isaac, um, let's yeah. finish off the episode with one of your own songs. Um, okay. I'm guessing... You know the one. You know it. We're going to do all 18 minutes of awakening from the dream of existence and multinational, multidimensional nature of reality, parentheses, mirror of the soul. You did <laughs> know it. You know it. In your heart, you know it. <laughs> can we really play a whole 20-minute song on, on here? Hell yeah, we can. Of course we can. Uh, uh, we only need permission from the artist. <laughs> okay, with um, your permission, can, can, are, are we allowed to play Awakening from Dream of Existence and Multidimensional Nature of Our Reality, parentheses, Mirror of the Soul? Totally. Total permission. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. And, <laughs> so, and, and highly encouraged. <laughs> good. Okay, thank you. This is... This is the song. So I heard both of the singles that you guys put out beforehand. I actually had a promo of the album as well, but I wanted to at least listen to it in the order of like the singles you were putting out to, to know how everyone else is going to be experiencing it. And I was like, slave species to the gods. This is pretty tight. Yeah. I love blood incantation. Then inner past outer space. I was like, fuck. And I, you know, listened to the album. I was like, this album's really good. But it was specifically this song where I was like, this is the best, this is the best album of the year. This is this is the one. Wow. Well, like, yeah. It's I, so it's... fucking good. This is the best song of the year. This period, <laughs> cross genre. It's fucking amazing. Okay. Damn fucking right. Yeah. It is an uh -huh. incredible song. And really looking forward to what comes next. Go proggy, yeah. go 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 back to death metal. I I don't even I don't know or care what you do next. It's gonna. It's I trust you. Gonna you're gonna do. Yeah. You're gonna do good. <laughs> we're, we're in good hands. I can tell you this so. as a little teaser, but we have bought multiple analog synths recently. Fuck. And <laughs> Fuck. Okay, Langdon has died. Start jamming a lot. 
with them. So we'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> okay, we're, we're all dead now. Okay, <laughs> okay. folks at home, uh, we've got one more show of the year. It's going to be the best of. It's going to be the awards show. Um, I think you can tell who might win album of the year. Uh, but the, the rest, you are going to have to, to guess. And we've got a, a lot of special guests on that. It's going to be the most celebrity-studded uh, star fest of the year. It's going to be incredible. We're um, going to develop cirrhosis of the mind from guestaholic. Yeah, <laughs> we, we're guestaholics right now. <laughs> we're just all about that clout. We want all that clout for this episode, So, and we're going to get it. But... Um, yeah, uh, like and subscribe. You, you know the drill by now. Give, give us reviews. Uh, Patreon, com forward slash Patreon something. I don't know. You know the drill. But I want to play Awaken for the Dream of Existence and the Multidimensional Nature of Reality, parenthesis, Mirror of the Soul. So here it is, the song, Awakening for the Dream of Existence and the Multidimensional Re- Nature of Reality, parenthesis, Mirror of the Soul, by the band at Blood Incantation, off the best album of the year, in the history of the human race. Okay. Come back next week. Thank you, Isaac. Here's that song. <laughs>